Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening and it's been such a blast. There's so many high vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Start living a better life today. Also, thanks to Babbel. Babbel is the number one selling language learning app. Today, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you're going to get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code dreamjob. Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. You guys, Dr. Nicola Perez is here. And this was just one of the most phenomenal conversations. I think you're going to feel that this makes a big difference. She is a holistic psychologist. She's an author. She's the creator of the self-healers movement. Her work specializes in the connection between the mind, body, and soul, and the ways we can empower ourselves to break free from any kind of trauma cycles and walk towards who we really want to become. She has a new book that just came out this week. It's called How to Do the Work, Recognize Your Patterns, Heal from Your Past, and Create Yourself. It's an essential guide to creating a more vibrant, authentic, joyful life, and it's going to give you tons of actionable steps to lead yourself through your own healing. So you definitely want to get a copy. Nicole has created an amazing Instagram community of over 3 million followers, including me and a lot of my friends and colleagues. Her posts always have a way of resonating and giving those like big aha insights. I highly recommend that you follow her. She has so much wisdom when it comes to the relationship between our subconscious and conscious mind, why we're stuck in the thoughts and habits that don't serve us and how to break that cycle and how we can be more forgiving to ourselves. It is so empowering. Without further ado, please welcome the incredible Dr. Nicole LaPera. Nicole, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. Oh, it's so nice to have you. And, you know, I've, I've been a fan of yours for such a long time and so have most of my friends. I feel like you come up all the time. We're all resharing your stuff and you have such a cool story of your own of how you got to where you are. And why don't you give us a little bit of that backstory so that we can all be sort of caught up to speed? Absolutely. So who am I? On the personal side of things, as long as I can remember, I'm someone who is really fascinated with other people. Um, really, if I were to boil it down to what was it that I was interested in, I was really interested in understanding, understanding the differences that I think became apparent to me quite early on, seeing people, whether it was in my immediate family, behaving and being in ways that just felt different to me, or obviously before long, that became my peers. So from that, I guess, intuitive curiosity, that really drove me to want to be a psychologist that I believed was the avenue to gain this understanding of others in service of helping them you know, to heal. I had my own experience of things to heal from because again, as long as I can remember, 
I'm someone who was plagued quite literally with anxiety. I was the the young little girl afraid of the world, hiding under tables quite literally, afraid of every thump in the night, waiting for the next, you know, catastrophe that was going to hurt my family in some way. So, as I think a lot is the case for many of us in the field, I got it. I understood what it was like to struggle with anxiety. And of course, coming through the traditional system, I was in therapy, I was on medication, I did all the things. Flash forward in time, I finally have this private practice that I've always wanted. I'm doing the work of showing up week after week to help my my clients, my patients create change. And I noticed one big glaring issue. I wasn't so successful. I wasn't really, you know, changing habits in my own life. I was still struggling in many of the same ways despite all of the awareness and tools that I believed I had accumulated at the time. And I was watching my clients struggle in the same ways with what I now understand is universal stuckness. So really my own pathway of, of change happened when I got to the point where I was so stuck that I was having symptoms all over the place. I was struggling physically in my physical body. I was struggling emotionally. I now understand that retrospectively, I was entering dark night of the soul, right? Where things come crashing down and I began to question pretty much everything from how am I living my life to how the hell am I helping or not helping my clients change theirs? And I really understood um, big glaring limitations in the old model. I really came to understand the reasons why we're stuck um, and really then to modify the way I was, I, I was working, embracing a more holistic framework understanding that we are interconnected beings, many of us that are living in dysregulation in our minds, our bodies, or our souls that are contributing to those stuck patternings. And what birthed was the, the concept of holistic psychology. The, the internet became my, my initial platform of speaking my truth. And really from that moment forward, I, I never looked back. Mm. There's so much I want to piggyback on and ask you about before we do that I want you to complete the story because it's really unbelievable what you've built and how it just smashes through all the noise and and you reach people and you've done it in such a profound way can you share a little bit about what did happen and how big the platform (laughs) grew and the response that you felt what was the tipping point what started to move people Yeah. So the the dot, 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 I think contains a whole other half of the story. Um, I really think about it in terms though of, of the full evolution, because all of the behind the scenes that empowered me to speak that truth was part of my own healing journey. So I came to the awareness and this was really difficult, really starting to deconstruct the way I was working this, this idea of what clinical psychology was Pairing all of that down, you know, to understand that that wasn't complete, that that wasn't working was a large part of the work of healing that I was doing. So when I came online, for me, there was two real main intentions. The first was to have a platform where I began to speak about this new model of holistic wellness, understanding that many people in the traditional field were were not thinking in those terms. Very understandably, we were taught that the mind is separate from the body, right? We go to separate doctors to to treat each. And I knew that that's how the field really believed. So for me, having this exercise of speaking this new truth was my first intention with really no expectation of how many listeners there would be on the other side or really what they would do with the information. For me, speaking my truth, like I said earlier, was part of my own healing. I lived a lifetime of filtering my truth through pretty much everyone else's experience of it. Um, So for me, that was integral. And there was a second intention, which was 
to see if there were other people out there who were speaking the same language. I was starting to feel really alone. A lot of the decisions that I began making to feel better in my own person, in my own mind, body, and soul were resulting in my relationships changing. So I went on with those two being my intentions. Let me speak my truth and let me see if it resonates and if I can find a community of individuals to connect with, with no expectation. I saw very quickly that it was catching, that it was resonating. And as much as I say, you know, it's, I show up every day and I am the messenger for this, this content. I understand the growth as being a reflection of this collective's readiness of whether it's the universal experience of I'm stuck and I get it. And I might be feeling shameful, defective, not worthy of the life that, you know, I cannot create for myself to the very large um, population of people that the journey of healing is resonated. I'm creating change. I'm using these new methods and they're working. So that happened quite mind-blowingly, to be honest, Kathy, right from the beginning. And the way I understood it from the beginning and still do, like I said, it's these are universal messages. They're being spoken in a way that I think for a lot of us is making what was once maybe conceptual into practical. You know, maybe a lot of us have heard concepts like consciousness or ego or maybe even inner child, wounding, right? What does that mean in daily life? So I understand, you know, the growth of it is I think we're all having a shared language. We're all learning how to speak in a new way to actually create change. And the experience, obviously, of this astronomical growth for me as a human has been quite varied. Everything from, wow, this is so validating to, wow, this is there's a lot of challenges that come with um, the exponential growth and the size of the platform, of course. Yeah, the platform is massive. And for anyone who doesn't follow her, she has over 3 million followers on Instagram. We're I mean, there's a lot of celebrities who come on this show who don't have 3 million followers and their household names. And it's absolutely stunning to see that it's this kind of content that will move people. And I think it's because you, there's a deep respect for the real human experience that you have. And you're not, you were willing to say, well, if I really spoke from a place of truth and an elevated conscious place, would people get it, right? If I didn't make it Mickey Mouse and boy, did they, right? I think it really shows, like you said, like we are, I, I just came from a Joe Dispenza six day retreat and I I really felt like, wow, like this is ushering in a messianic time. Like the fact that a thousand people during COVID came from 30 countries to wow. sit and listen to this guy. And the fact that everyone's like, even a, that, that he's even sharing this and that we're all like on some level getting it, right? It's like- <laughs> Wow. Like what an incredible moment in time to be sitting here. I want to ask you, you know, if you were going to peel it away, what is the signature essential thing that you hope that your audience hears from you that they probably don't hear from anyone else? The single thing that I hope that everyone takes away from any, any aspect of my work is some message of personal empowerment. I think most of us quite universally have been taught or have practiced habits of outsourcing to other people, outsourcing, you know, our needs, our wants, you know, our opinions, how we think we should be treated. We look outside of ourselves for answers that I believe can only come from within. So the core message that I, I hope is a takeaway from anyone that hears or meets my work in any, in any context is one of empowerment, where even in the smallest way, we begin to take back ownership 
um, we begin to make ourselves aware of the reality that we do have an inner knowing and to begin what for many of us will become the lifelong journey of reconnecting where we're no longer looking for answers outside of ourselves. Now, to be clear, this doesn't mean that we don't look for support or that relationships aren't an integral part of our interpersonal world because they are. Um, I see my work being misinterpreted in those directions quite often. It just equips us to be able to empower ourselves to show up more fully and more authentically for our world. So whatever pathway and avenue it is, if a takeaway of empowerment, I believe it happens through creating a habit of living consciously. So you'll usually hear me talk those concepts really side by side. But I think if you boil it down, it is just a, my, my goal is to spread a message of individual empowerment. So two things I want to ask you. So first one, you just said, and, and it comes through living consciously. What does that mean for you? What are you teaching people to do? Is there a meditation that, that's part of this? Is it sort of a mindfulness? Is it writing down your thoughts? Mm-hmm. What does that constitute? So consciousness, I I believe, is the foundational practice of change. And the reason why I I believe this is because I now understand a bit more clearly about how our very powerful mind, right? So if we want to differentiate the mind is the practice of the brain, all of the thoughts, all of the patterning that our brain helps navigate us through life each and every day, right? We have a very powerful part of our, our, our mind. It's called the subconscious, kind of is housed back in the deeper regions of our brain. And the reality that we now know is the large majority of us humans are living life from those programs. We are a living reaction of these programs that for many of us were laid down very early in life um, based on, again, our very real lived experiences somewhere. And I I think even Joe Dispenza has one of the stats upwards of 95% of our day, the large majority of our day, we're living from that reactive space, which is why we're stuck. If we want to use those terms, most of us are stuck repeating patterns that for many of us, our conscious mind knows better around. And this is what I would see week after week in my clients when I did individual work. We'd have incredible insight from our conscious mind where we even troubleshoot, right? The next argument with my partner, instead of going down this pathway, I'm going to do this new thing. And then what would happen, lo and behold, week after week, and this was across clients, and I worked with very diverse practice, you know, very diverse people, what would happen, I would come back the next week, and there was a report of that same old habit. And what I came to understand is we weren't teaching our clients, my clients at the time, to build that bridge between the mind, right, the insightful, conscious part of our mind that can plan for a future that's different and activate ourselves, make choices toward that future. However, we're disconnected because in those moments, we're operating out of that subconscious. So the large majority of us, and here's one of the moments, like many, where I don't urge you to take my word for it. I urge anyone listening to go out and witness themselves and notice two things. A, how patterned you are right? We're very patterned. Everything from the, our daily habits, right? Suspiciously, our mornings always kind of look the same, even if we intended them to do different than that, right? We also are really habitual in our mental world. We repeat the same narratives, whether it's about ourselves, our relationships, our past, our future, really, we can go crazy with the amount of narratives we repeat. And if we want to even go a bit deeper, a lot of us are really repetitive emotionally, We find ourselves stuck in the same cyclical emotions and don't really expand into having other experiences. So don't take it from me. 
identify, I often make a, a really, you know, practical suggestion of most of us are walking around with a phone in our pockets, right? Or somewhere accessible to us. Great suggestion, set an alarm for maybe two random times during your waking hours. So say at 12 p.m. and at 2.30 p.m., your phone will go off. By 12 and 2.30, you probably will forget that you even did that. When that alarm goes off, I want you to, to build in a two-part practice. So the first part is your test. Am I conscious or not? And that can be assessed with asking yourself when that alarm goes off, where is my attention? Right? Am I fully present to whatever it is I'm doing in the moment, whatever that might be? That could involve another human. It could just be something we're having alone in our alone time. Or are you like the large majority of us, myself included, where when that alarm goes off, my attention is everywhere else. I'm rehashing the argument I had in the morning with my partner. Maybe I'm worrying about the upcoming presentation tomorrow that I'm stressed out about. Or maybe I'm just somewhere else and I'm not really fully present here. So that's our litmus test. Right? The more we tune into our attention and we notice it's not here in the current moment, chances are you're falling into that category of life and autopilot. So the second part of the practice now is the practice of activating our conscious mind. We now know that our brain can change no matter how old we are. We have to practice changing it by firing it a new way. So now where is where we want to employ a new practice, right? which is creating consciousness. And the biggest practical suggestion I give, the way to create consciousness, is to begin to practice tuning into our senses. What's happening in the moment? Can I smell something? Can I touch something? Touch even being, right? I'm against the wall right here, tactily. And when we use our senses as our hook for our attention, we're firing up a new part of our mind. We're becoming fully active in whatever is present for us now, and we're now living in consciousness, and then, of course, this is where people love to hate me. We want to practice that all day long. We want to tune in, check into where our attention is, and learn how to be conscious in our life. Because like I said earlier, that becomes the platform now where I have the opportunity over time to create more and more space be between those old habitual reactions, right? The thing that my subconscious is telling me I'm going to react and do right now, creating space to make new choices. Every line is a mic drop and you are, I just keep thinking she's so brilliant, but she's so generous because you are so present right now and you, you don't need anybody's platform. Like you're just so generous. Like you're literally pouring in to this audience and it is so pure and it's so beautiful. And I so appreciate I'm you. I'm glad. I'm glad. Of course. The, the question I have, I'm really going to like up the ante here. Cause I've been in and out of therapy since I'm 15, done all the breath work, done all the mm -hmm. meditation retreats, just got back from Joe Dispenza, read all the books, right? Mm -hmm. I'm such a truth seeker. And here's what I realized. There is a part of me that knows how I sabotage myself with my thoughts. And I don't want to stop. Yeah. And I'm embarrassed of it, but obviously not that much because I share it, but I, I tend to share everything here, but I'm, I'm frustrated because I know enough to know this is causing me pain. There is a resistance. There is like a, a part of me that is like, no. And it mm -hmm. must be that there is a payoff. That must be that I believe that this pain and this crazy loop that goes on and memorize these emotions, it somehow protects me or it somehow sabotages me in a way that I like, I mean, it's like a, God forbid, like doing something to hurt yourself. What the hell is that? And how do we overcome that? 
well, your diagnosis for you and anyone else out there that is resonating with this, Kathy, is you are human. You're human. And what I mean when I say that, and this is a point of shame for a lot of us, the inability to change is stuckness doesn't just come with the byproduct of I'm stuck in my habits and patterns. This is why it was so troubling for me. This stuckness often comes with the byproduct of shame, of beliefs that we don't deserve the life that we cannot create for ourselves because we're not doing it or that we're implicitly broken. I cannot just action in this way because time and time again, I don't see myself doing it. And the reason why I very overwhelmingly interjected your human is because humans, us humans, that subconscious mind of ours, that's powerful 95% of our day actually does not want us to change period. The end. It prefers us to be in the familiar because let me translate what the word familiar means to our subconscious. And this is where it gets irrational, where it's not logical, where you're looking at yourself and you're saying, well, these patterns aren't getting me the life that, you know, or these were, this happens a lot in relationships. These relationships, we have all of our well-intentioned friend telling us this is another one of those patterns, get the hell out, right? Yet there's a familiarity there. And what familiarity means to our subconscious? Safety. It means it's predictable. Even if I know it's a quote-unquote negative consequence on the other end or not the healthiest, most fulfilling relationship, for instance, it's that which I know. Because to our subconscious, which helped us evolve as a species, the question mark, the uncertainty of the unknown could, could contain the threat that extinguishes our survival. And now here I am talking in evolutionary terms, and most of us are sitting in very comfortable living rooms, not living under survival-based threat, though some of us are. And this is, again, why you know we get kicked into these systems of re- attempts at regulating due to safety. So to be clear, our subconscious keeps us in familiar patterns because to our subconscious, it's familiar. And even if it's not the most positive quote unquote consequence on the other end, it's the one that we know and we can prepare for. And chances are we have a preparation. We have the typical way that we cope or the way that we navigate our relationships to keep us in that zone of familiar. So then what happens? Let's play this all on top of, right? My clients week after week that I would see. We'd have insight coming from our conscious mind. We'd have all of those subconscious programs stored in our autopilot, 95% of our day, right? Kind of keeping us in those familiar patterns. I birth the idea that I'm going to do something new, right? Create a new habit. When I go to actualize that idea, because my subconscious prefers I don't do this new thing. It prefers I do that old thing. It creates an experience of what I call resistance. And we can either get resistance in our thoughts where it could look like the endless reasons not to do this new thing. It never worked in the past. Actually, you know what, Nicole, you're really busy. Today's not really the day to do something new because you have five other things on your plate. You just don't have time for it. Or actually, if I don't show up in this old way for this person, they're not going to love me anymore. So you know what? I better pick up this phone call, even though I'd really rather not. All right. Endless goes on. Or some of us drop it down into our bodies. We maybe don't have thoughts. We just feel an agitation, a discomfort. We just feel a little different than we normally feel. And I'm not used to feeling this way. So before I know it, because of either of those resistances, many of us are, and for some of us, it's day one where we don't even initiate change. And for some of us, it's really frustrating day 31, day 61, where I was soldiering my habits and then I go back into that familiar. So the subconscious, right? resistance comes from that space to keep us in that familiar. And before long, most of us, because we don't know what it is, 
a lot of us actually do take that resistance to be indication of, oh, no go zone, or maybe it's further confirmation that you're not supposed to be doing these things. Nicole, this is great for someone else. So you're you to remain over here. And I, you know, so navigating that understanding the evolutionary pull, I believe is, is helpful. It equips us. So we don't, we come to expect it. You know, a lot of us humans don't expect change to be hard, especially when it's logical, especially when it's going to produce, right. The lifestyle choices and the relationship that's going to make us happy. Or so we think we think it should be easier. And it just isn't again, because we're all driven to stay in that zone of familiarity. So for a lot of us, even the awareness of what it is helps us reframe the next time I experience it, helping me to empower myself to still make that choice to do that new thing anyway. I love this conversation so much. Before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsor. Do you ever feel like there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Then you should look into BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment and start communicating in under 48 hours all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and send a message to your counselor anytime. They have licensed professional counselors who specialize in areas like depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, relationships, grief, so much more. And if you feel like you need to change counselors, it's super easy and free. I've been in therapy for almost all of my life, and it's really been something that I'm so grateful that I've done. I also know that not everyone can afford traditional offline counseling, so BetterHelp is a great affordable alternative. You can even get financial aid if you need it. Start living a happier life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash dreamjob for 10% off your first month. Thanks, BetterHelp. Me encanta aprender. That's the Spanish way of saying, I love to learn. And it's something I just picked up from Babbel, the number one selling language learning app. I've been wanting to learn more Spanish this year because some of my friends speak Spanish and Babbel makes this whole process addictively fun and easy. Babbel's 15 minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. And they design their courses with practical real world conversations in mind so that you can use it in everyday life. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology can help improve your pronunciation and your accent. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over a hundred language experts and their methods have been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. I love that their lessons are bite-sized, so I don't have to commit to a full day to learn a few new words and phrases. And it's really convenient to have this as an app so I can learn on the go, whether I'm taking a walk or on my way to do an errand. If learning a new language is on your to-do list, then definitely check this out. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code DREAMJOB. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com code DREAMJOB for an extra three months free. Babbel, language for life. You know, one of the things that's really interesting about my audience, it's fascinating, you know, this, this feeling of imposter syndrome comes up a lot. I talk to a lot of people about it. And then what's even greater than that is a feeling of who am I to actually receive? So it's like, it starts as who am I to get paid to do this? Or who am I to post something or publish something? But then the upper limit of like, ooh, like my biggest feeling is like letting someone hold me or receiving 
from other people that allowing a light to be shined on my face. It's literally like shocking to me that this is like what's under the under is like the pain in receiving. And I I don't quite get it. People's ability to allow people to love them back and the, the shame around, I just don't feel worthy of this. What causes that? How do we overcome that? I was vehemently shaking my head the whole time in in resonance because I can relate to this. So, you know, back to this incredible platform and all of the humans that look at, you know, my work and sometimes myself each and every day, as much as there's a core wound in me, and I'm going to kind of get to a little bit of this to answer your question, but just to use my own lived journey daily as an example, as much as deeply, I want my truth seen and heard. There's a part of me that is so unfamiliar with being seen in my authenticity. It scares me each and every day. So we are often at conflict within ourselves. And I see a lot of us humans having that deep desire that then because we didn't have the space and we've adapted to not expressing in this way, when I try to open it up, right, and express in a new way, now we're again in that unfamiliar territory that my subconscious isn't interested in. Um, so I can relate to that. I struggle to receive everything from support, acknowledgement, love. And again, knowing my story, I understand it because of the earliest experiences that I've had in relationships. Back when I said earlier, the subconscious mind, you know, every most that's imprinted in there is stored at an early age. The time period that we're speaking is really birth to age seven, eight, you know, when we're in theta waves and we're storing all of our programs using the Joe Dispenda language, very much so, right? And we are so uh, mendable at that early age and we are dependent. And these two things go hand in hand because we need relationships to quite literally continue our physical existence as an infant who cannot care for their physical bodies to our emotional worlds. We need relationships we begin to make all of these modifications earlier. We begin to put on the masks, to play the roles, to show up, to get the way that mom can show me the love and the way that she's able to show me love, right? And so we begin to modify. We can think of it like the onion. We have all of these protections, all of these ways of being that, again, typically started at an early time and an early place at our best attempt to get our needs met. So as many of us go through the journey of healing, And we begin to show up more in authenticity, possibly caring, you know, a bit more, a bit better, you know, for our bodies or our emotions or being a self-expressed spirit. A lot of us do have the uh, experience of what you're calling imposter syndrome. It doesn't feel familiar. We're not used to expressing in this way. We actually are showing up differently in the world and Mm -hmm. we are opening ourselves up to receive energetically, right? Maybe not now or over time, the byproducts of what energy we're putting into the system. And so for a lot of us, we have different layers of challenges based on, again, that which we grew up with, which is familiar to us. We define our worth based on all of those lived experiences. So a lot of us become the adult, right? Who, when we are in receivership, doesn't feel worthy, doesn't feel, you know, comfortable expanding into our truest expression and or reaping then the byproducts of that on the other end. Yeah, it's so, so true. Everything you just said, and you explained it so well. And I went last year, I went for a week on another program. I went to someplace called Onsite. And it's like a week long of like therapists and psychodrama and going back to childhood and codependency. It's beautiful. 
And on the way home, I was reading a book I bought there and the line said, if it's love, it can't be earned. If it's love, it can only be given. That's what love is. If it's earned, it's a business transaction. And I was like, that's it. For, and you just explained it. For so many of us, we learned to earn love. Put yes. on this mask, get the A, help this person. Uh, how do you get it? I don't know. If, if In every household, it's probably somewhat different. But you, by and large, I feel like yes. the proverbial you and me, we've <laughs> learned to earn it. And that is inherently why it feels probably so unfamiliar when someone just wants to show up for you. Now, I want to ask you something else. One of the things that comes up for all, almost all of my students, all the people listening to the show that I've ever talked to is this. I want to do a thing. Let's say I want to have a better relationship. I want to start a business. I want to create a podcast. I want to make ceramics. And I'm fixated on how. Mm -hmm. And what I've come to realize is that stepping into the vibration of whatever is in alignment with this relationship or with this ceramic studio you're dreaming up is so much more important than what clay you use or like the date night you set. And like so much shows us and wants to teach us about the how, like your Instagram, your platform, your community, you never sat down and said, okay, how do I create a funnel? Okay. (laughs) What's the nurture sequence? Like it's gross. It's just a I'm showing up in this resonance and there will be a like vibration that this attracts, right? Mm -hmm. Can you explain to people how to trust that and how to step into that rather than worrying so much about how many degrees they don't have or how many pieces they need before they begin? Because this to me is also such a phenomenon. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think you're saying something really uh, astutely, Kathy, and eloquently when you're using the, the language of how to step in. A lot of us say not stepping anywhere in action. We render ourselves unable to action because we attempt to think our way through, to solve our way through, to plan our way through everything from the small decisions in our day as to what is going to be my meal when I get off of this to the big decisions. Like, what am I supposed to do with this life here? And who am I able to be in this world? Um, And I believe most of us come from cultures and systems, micro in our smallest family to macro in our societies and school systems and, you know, universe at large to overthink our way. And the reality is we can overthink our way right back into this corner and never leave it. Um, because every time we go down a pathway, we can convince ourselves, you know, to be, I always use this illustration of, you know, two little children, you know, arguing over an action toy or a doll and pulling it in two separate directions, right? We, we can do that to ourselves and many of us do. So the answer is to find a balance. So to speak to something you, you acknowledged earlier, I didn't have all of this planned. My intention was, like I said, to go online and to learn how to translate these ideas that came from textbooks, lived experience, working with people, being a human, doing my own healing onto a format that could be consumed by a greater group of the collective. That was my first learning. And then that, you know, transitioned into, okay, well, now I see that there's a large collective out there that's interested in doing this work together. And then it became the membership. So I share this to say, I didn't have a five-year plan. 
I didn't come in to be like, this is a, the business that I'm creating. I thought I was going to be a individual holistic coach, right? Working one-on-one. And that was going to be, again, the vibration was going to attract the people that were interested in working holistically with a coach like myself. And that's what I imagined. I never imagined I would be shifting into teacher mode because of just the pure need um, that's out there. So I use my example because I know a lot of us at the beginning without that five-year plan of this is how it has to look or is going to look, we don't feel like we can begin to action. And again, a lot of us are either practiced in trying to solve and think our way through and plan. And I do have that part of my personality that can be very meticulous, that desires to know that five-year plan. And I've learned how to shift out of that to embrace uncertainty. That's what comes along with some of it to embrace the fear of putting myself out there. There is a a value like you were offering earlier. If I stay in my mind, you know, never quite ready to launch, I'm never ready to launch. For a lot of us, that's a safer place to be than launched, than out there with my new truth or my new program or my new product to be rejected in any way or to be disvalued in any way. Um, So again, for some of us, we're just so used to thinking our way through. For a lot of us, that becomes protection. I don't have to step forward into something that's scary. I don't have to challenge myself. To complicate it even further, Kathy, some of us are really afraid to step into our own power. I know in a lot of ways I am, right? I don't, it's scary to see what I'm capable of creating. You know, that is where we get a little illogical in another direction. You know, stepping into our truth, speaking it can, and receiving from it, can be very powerful and can feel overwhelming. So many different reasons. Um, and I think it is shifting out of, you know, our mind and all of the fears that we can conjure up in our mind, dropping into our body and giving ourselves what I believe is the greatest teacher, which is lived experience. Wisdom comes when we walk through experiences and when we find our way to having new experiences, even if you're like me, have been repeating past ones as I had. Um, And with it comes discomfort, with it comes challenge. And with it for a lot of us does come some version of that imposter syndrome or unworthiness that only giving ourselves an experience otherwise of allowing ourselves to be worthy, to receive, even when it's uncomfortable in the beginning, will help us develop a new pattern. And unfortunately, a lot of us want to think or just learn in the book. I get all the time. What is the one through six steps of healing? Unfortunately, it's doing the work. It's living it. It's embodying yourself. Because that's where, if we want to go full circle, that empowerment that I was talking about in the beginning comes from living your life consciously and learning your pathways that ones that are in alignment, usually by learning ones through ones that aren't in alignment is the way that I believe we gain wisdom here. Totally true. All of it. So true. And what helped me lately is this idea of like the fear of my own power. I realize it's not look at me. It's come with me. And that we're all one, like we're one heart, one soul. We really are like one ocean. So like you can't separate this wave from this wave. And it's like, that's false humility. It's like, it's us, right? So if I rise and I have a way of saying something to the collective that helps 15, 16, 14 million other people, great. I get to do my part for this family, but it's for us. It's not about me. And I think you're just so great at that. You'll you'll never lose that because you're so down to earth. What I did want to say, because you keep mentioning it, and I think my audience would really appreciate hearing your response to this, is one of the first things that blew me away. When I started this podcast, I thought everybody has a divine assignment. 
And so don't keep your day job was about like finding what it is that's your mark to make. And I thought I'm going to help people build it. Well, before I could do that, I started talking to these listeners and they're so beautiful and good. And they would share with me. And I finally started hearing, Kath, you can't help me build it yet. You know why? I don't know what I want to do. And I thought that was a fascinating thing that almost everyone told me that they didn't know. And I said, what does it mean to keep saying, I don't know? What does it mean that you don't know what you want? And I started doing workshops around like figuring out what were you made to do? What is your thing? And it's fascinating, Nicole. And I'm just curious what you say about it, because I've come to realize that I don't know is a great limiting belief. And it's a great excuse because if I can keep saying, I don't know, I don't have to take action. Number one, number two, I've come to realize that if you say you don't know, it's either a, you don't believe that it's possible or you don't think that you're worthy of it. What do you say about that? Because you've said four or five times, you have a knowing, trust it, go back to yourself for the answer. And yet this great answer, which people want, what is my purpose comes up? I don't know. Yeah. So how do they tune in? What might be a clue to help them figure out the answer to that question, which is clearly inside of them? Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to piggyback as a third scenario. And this captures me at one time, a third group of humans hearing that question don't know. And here's why they don't know, because we're not given many of us are, are practicing conditioned habits and patterns that have us so disconnected from that inner wisdom that I'm urging everyone to believe is there. Though, again, I'm telling you to, to walk the path of discovering it. Most of us aren't even connecting with ourselves to make decisions as simple as, am I hungry? What does my body like? Does it feel good when it eats this food or does it feel bad? I was so disconnected from my body. I didn't really know my body's cues of hunger. I didn't really know how different food made me feel. It turns out some mood, food makes me feel like crap, food that I was eating a lot, right? So as simple as that sounds, what I mean is most of us aren't living in our bodies where our intuition speaks through us, right? We're living again from our heads or we're looking outside of ourselves. So a lot of people, there was a time, you would have asked me a decade ago, if I had a purpose or a passion, even though I'm telling you intuitively, as I started, right, I was going to be an intuitive psychologist, that wouldn't have been described as my purpose or my passion. I didn't resonate with those concepts. If I'm honest, Kathy, I thought I didn't get that genetic chip. And when I met my current partner, my wife, she is someone who exuded that. If I were to describe someone as passionate about life and ideas, I mean, that was her. So I had this point of contrast where she's passionate about, we were actually reading a book together. And it's so interesting how this happened. She was really resonating with the author. It was Dr. Wayne Dyer. And she he was talking about shifting out of his old life as a psychologist to follow his purpose and passion. And she's like, whoa, I got chills. And I'm like, mm, that's not my story. I don't have a purpose or a passion. So very long-winded way of saying, I didn't feel like I had a purpose or a passion. I too did not know because I wasn't, I was in a habit of not being connected to myself. I didn't know what made me feel good, quote unquote, or bad. I didn't know the things that I really liked to do or not because I was so disconnected. So for a lot of us, the pathway to knowing whether or not we, you know, some of us might have the inkling of knowing and then our, you know, limiting narratives come into play and everything we've been talking about. Though I do want to highlight this other group because I think it captures a lot of us who we actually don't know. 
because we're so disconnected because our knowing comes from our energy centers, comes from when I do that thing that I get lost in, or at least, you know, it doesn't suck. I don't feel heavy and like I want to <laughs> trudge my suck. way right through it. And then there's all the things that I, I'm just doing because I have to or necessity or this is how I've learned how to pay my bills. You know, this gets complicated by messaging in our families and our cultures. What we're taught is appropriate ways to make money or income and what is it? And now I think very beautifully, we're evolving into a space, you know, via the tool of online and new ways that we can begin to financialize, in a sense, word I might have just made up, what we like to do. Because I'm of the belief that we do all have a thing. And it's not maybe as logical as the thing that we were taught would make us money. For some of us, it's just showing up in our self-expression. And we can find the ways to create the income and have the life whether it's, you know, you're running a, a big online platform in wellness like I am, or, you know, whether you're not, you're a photographer who learned this one really cool way to, you know, take a picture that, you know, a much smaller niche group of people are interested in. And that's how you express and create your life. So we all have it. A lot of us, like I said, are either convincing ourselves away from that inner knowing because of all the what ifs and fears of embracing maybe this new power. And a lot of us don't yet know. And by practicing consciousness, by connecting to ourself, by tuning into, do I feel energized when I leave this activity or do I feel depleted? That can heart because a lot of us begin by walking in a direction. And again, typically that direction is away from the stuff that sucks and we find our way toward the path, not our journey. So back to me using myself as an example, I didn't have that clear. I had a direction. I knew what wasn't working. I began to walk to the direction of what was. And then I found my funnel into shaping what it is now that I, and how I will express in the world. But this doesn't mean, so mark my words, a decade from now, if I learn new tools and new way of working, I'll be hopefully evolving into that new truth as well. It's amazing. And so true. And I remember like before I started songwriting for a decade, which was like unleashed so much for me. Um, I had been working in a day job, which I hated wearing like suits and blowing out my hair. And I like, didn't feel like myself. Like I don't own a hair, pair of heels right now. I wouldn't no. do that, but I had to, they told me to do that. And when I quit that job, I remember being like, what color do I like? I'm like orange. I think the answer is orange. Like I never had even asked myself, like I got so far away from it. I was like, what color do I like? You know? Oh my God. I think I like orange. So it's like, it began and I think you're right. And I have a question because Seth Godin has become like a personal mentor to me and he's so brilliant. I asked him this question. I'm curious how you put these two things together. Cause we just talked about coming back to your essential self and knowing and being who you are. Right. And I know that my audience, one of our most successful podcasts, you know, more than the Matthew McConaughey and more than the Rob Lowe was like, we did an episode on living life on your terms and everybody like click, click, click. They downloaded the heck out of it. Right. Like I don't care about a celebrity. I want to live life on my terms. <laughs> well, Seth said to me that he's like, I think this question of like, what's my purpose is like kind of misleading because he said, I don't know that I would have chosen to do marketing, right? Help people with marketing, but I like it and I'm good at it. And it serves a purpose. Like people feel, find value in it. And I do find, and I've often said to my audience that the opposite of depression, my guess is that it's not happiness, it's purpose. And I do feel as though what you said before is true, that people want to be seen and heard. And that one of the greatest feelings is when we feel like we are contributing, when we feel like we're making a difference. 
And clearly that is the foundation of what you do. So that must be what makes it feel so good. And I think sometimes when we're growing up, it's kind of like this elusive thing. What's my purpose? And we're, you know, we're being asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then we have these models of our parents who (laughs) probably didn't do anything close to it. And really, I'm starting to think maybe the question is, how do you want to serve when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Because that is where the fulfillment comes from. So this idea of who am I supposed to be and what's my purpose? I wonder sometimes if we trip over it because it's so simple. And yet it seems to me that when I suggest this to people, they're like, well, how does that relate with living life on my terms? If I'm thinking about how can I provide empathy for people and what do I do that serves people? How do I hold that? And also hold living life on my terms. And a lot of times people think that they're separate. And so do you think they're mutually exclusive? And if they're not, how can we reconcile finding our truth when at the same time holding that possibly our greatest expression of ourselves is a way that we serve another human being? Yeah, that's incredibly beautiful. I had chills a couple of times, Kathy, when you were oh my <laughs> Because honestly, I think a lot about, I, I call the concept interdependence, essentially serving others, serving whether it's one other or, or collective, the collective others. And I think a lot about it because, you know, I talk a lot about tools of self-healing. How do we heal us, ourselves? And a lot of that language is everything you and I have been talking about, right? How do I identify my needs of my physical, emotional, or spiritual self and show up to honor those, right? So, and again, a lot of times I do see my work being misinterpreted in the direction of, oh, well, she's speaking about hyper-individualism, this idea of person as island, right? And those two things sound very separate. So to be clear, you know, it's a pathway to, for many of us, the pathway of separating out myself from someone that's different from someone else allows us the space to inhabit the self authentically. So that when I show up in my relationships over time, as I practice that, the self I'm showing up with is a much more authentic one to compare it to the selves you and I have been talking about, all of the masks, all of the modes of being, all of the you know, ways that we show up in relationship that doesn't necessarily honor ourselves. So the end result being in service of others. How can we show up in service of others in a way that comfortably works for myself and within my limits? And how can I do so in a way that's uniquely me? Because we are all going to show up in service differently. The way I show up in service is going to be impacted by all of my lived experiences, all of the wisdom gained. And as I continue to go forward, will be modified accordingly, just like your service will be different because you're a different human coming through different lived experiences with different languages. And I believe we need all of our service out there, right? To paint the most beautiful puzzle picture of all of us in the collective. So again, it doesn't have to be, we have to create space to honor both, right? This, the individual self, how can I show up in, in honoring myself authentically so that I can over time cultivate that as the self that I show up with in service? So the work ultimately is the same, is in service of some of us, you know, might come to the realization that the things that we're good at, you know, and might pay bills or might be a way, you know, that I contain part of my life over here financially or what have you, maybe they don't light me up. Maybe it's something else I do that isn't financially driven that lights me up. So there's this scenario as well where, you know, some of us might have the job that's more or less a job that I'm good at. 
And then I might have the things that I can cultivate outside of the job that are the in-service piece where I show up. And this could just be, and I'm just saying just, even though I definitely don't mean just, this could be showing up in service with my child, that one other human in my life, right? It doesn't have to be showing up in service at scale, like, you know, you or I are doing each and every day with these big platforms. For some of us, it's showing up in service in one smaller context. So flexibility, I think is, is the answer here, right? How can I understand all of the different things that might drive me? How can I honor myself authentically so that I can create the space so that when I show up in service, it's me who's doing it and not a version of me, half of me, a resentful self that is just ticking away all the times I'm showing up for you and you're not doing for me and all the other things that most of us are doing. So we have to learn how to express ourselves authentically so that when we show up, it's me who's doing it. I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. I think the more we create flexibility where we can hold space for all of the different experiences, maybe shave away some of the definitions that aren't working for us. You know, maybe work doesn't have to be the only path of fulfillment. Maybe I can understand that, hey, you know, I'm showing up in service. If you're a mom listening, you know, your service will likely might be to your children and that's who you're serving and that's enough. And that's amazing. And I'm so glad that you addressed it and you just said it again, because I think with the invention of social media and all of these tools and looking at our likes and looking at our numbers, we already have a hard time thinking we're enough, but then it's like, how is this enough? I'm just doing this. I'm just doing that. And that's not fair. And who are you to say that the way that you showed up for one person is not enough? It's powerful. And I'm so glad you said it. And also it reminded me what you were saying before. So I'm Jewish. And one of the thoughts that we are taught since we're a kid is like, love your neighbor like yourself. But one of the inherent things there is like, like you love yourself. Like if you feel like crap, what you were just saying before, like they're, they have to come together because if there's no self, if there is complete codependency and you're willing to set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm, how are you able to love that person? You're just like in fight, flight or freeze constantly. Like there is no self to give. And so we, we have to start with that so that we can pour from a cup, cup that's full. Nicole, the work that you do, you are such a unicorn. It is so phenomenal. It is so pure. Your intentions are so pure. You wrote a book. I feel like we had like the most juicy conversation and we didn't talk as much about your book. Is your book already on pre-sale? Can people buy it already or not yet? It's on pre-sale and it will be birth to the world, um, March 9th, 2021. So we also actually, Kathy, have talked a lot about the book because everything that, you know, has come up is really the framework um, that the book will, will dive into. I am so excited that what the book will, will provide people is the roadmap conceptually diving deeper into all of the topics that we kind of hit the surface of and each and every chapter has those actionable steps. Okay, these are great ideas. How do I begin to practice these concepts in real life, whether it's through exercises or journal prompts or meditation? So the, it will be a conceptual roadmap um, of all things holistic wellness, holistic psychology. And in my hope is that it will offer a practical toolkit um, of how beginning to work with some of these tools can look like. So I can't be more excited. All the links are in my link tree. I'm super, super excited. 
Oh my God. I love that there's like actionable things to do with every chapter. And you guys, I can't even imagine if you can carry around Nicole in your pocket and next to you on your nightstand and just even, (laughs) even one or two pages a day, if you were able to sort of take that into your consciousness, like how that could make a massive change. So glad that you took the time to write this book. I know it's going to be such a help to so many people. And just as we're leaving where do you want to send us to? Obviously your Instagram is a beautiful place to get your work and to connect. What would you like the audience to go check out as a next step to go follow you if they're not already? I think the the always next step, like I always say, so those of us who are on Instagram, um, I shout out the Instagram, not only because I'm on there daily putting out, you know, these tools and Instagram format, obviously sharing aspects of my own healing journey, but that that second intention that I referenced earlier of community, Um, the community of self healers that also is standing now on Facebook. So there's a Facebook community as well, the holistic psychologist. Um, I'm always shouting out those social medias because the community there, uh, people who are doing the work, showing up in support of others, and many of them looking to connect um, with whether it's accountability partners or just, you know, humans who get it. So that's why I'm always shouting out those two platforms specifically. Obviously, the Instagram also has a link tree. So pretty much anything that comes through my other channels, YouTube included, the Holistic Psychologist. So I have different formats for different learning styles, a new exciting. So the virtual membership, um, the online community of learning, self-directed healing. So anyone who's interested in doing the work a little deeper with a community of healers. The exciting news is we just built out a new website. So anyone who's interested can check out the new website, your holistic psychologist, and know that um, part of what we're going to be fostering in the in the membership is the community, having the community events, having the community away from social media, um, where people can feel a bit safer to be connecting around some of these topics. So that's super exciting. And like I said, all of the link tree will direct everyone, whatever direction they want that resonates with them um, for the different types of modalities of the work. So come join us on Instagram. So exciting. We'll put the links to all of it, your book, your social, we'll put the link to the membership. This was such a special delicious conversation. Thank you for just being so generous and just continuing to do what you do. It's really making such an impact and you know that, but thank you. Thank you for saying that, Kathy. And thank you for your time and energy having me. I could talk about this always and I love to. So this is so, so appreciated. How incredible is Nicole? Okay. So here are the takeaways. Number one, our brain can change no matter how old we are. Practice changing it by firing it in a new way. Number two, create consciousness by tuning into your senses. Build the space to make new choices. Number three, there's no shame in being stuck. It means you're human. Number four, embrace uncertainty and the fear of putting yourself out there. Number five, our greatest teacher is our lived experiences. It comes with discomfort and challenges, but it's the only way to help us develop a new pattern. Number six, we all have an inner knowing. Walk in a direction and you'll find your way towards your path. Number seven, be flexible and hold space for all the different experiences. There's more than one way you can show up in service of others that is uniquely and authentically you. Okay, now I want to shout out some of my students who've been doing some awesome things lately. Maria said, my happy hound bake shop is now open for business. Just getting rolling and loving it. Currently, we offer home baked dog treats with fun accessories to come. Maria, 
This is so cool. I'm so proud of you. It sounds like it's also such a fun business and I can't wait to hear more about all the dogs that are going to have some full happy tummies because of your delicious dog treats. Everyone can go check out Maria's awesome dog treats. Her Instagram is at happy underscore hound underscore bake shop and her website is happyhoundbakeshop.com. Okay, next win. Tara said, I received a hefty advance to edit an author's novel manuscript and landed a long-term freelance proofreading opportunity with an incredible company. These two achievements have allowed me to quit my day job and carve out more time to work on my book. What? Tara, this is incredible. I love that you're using the opportunities to not only hone your craft, but fund your own business as a writer. I'm so excited to see where this is going to take you. You can all go give Tara some love. Her Instagram is at author Tara Taylor. Okay, now I want to announce the winner of our giveaway. I'm doing these giveaways twice a week, every Monday and Thursday. All you got to do if you want to be eligible to win some adorable stuff, we're giving away hoodies and sweatshirts and mugs. All you have to do is leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts or go live on your Instagram and in your stories, you just talk about the podcast and tag me at kathy.heller so we can enter you in a giveaway. Today's winner is Alicia T00. She wrote, not a want, a need. So I didn't know I needed this podcast until I heard this podcast. Started with the heart to heart with Rachel Hollis, cried a bunch, then shared with a good friend. That friend and I today were doing updated headshots. She's a very talented photographer. And we talked about the James Altisher episode while we were shooting. Are you kidding? It only took two weeks for this podcast to become not only a part of my day, but my life. I'm so grateful I found this podcast and you should be too. Oh, Alicia, that's so nice. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. It's like you know, I'm a mom, I do my thing, I come up here, I do interviews, I record stuff. And, you know, just to hear like people are actually listening and then you tell me the story of how you're talking about it with your friend, it it just starts to become very real. And you guys, this just means so much to me. So, so thank you for your reviews. And if you want to be entered into the giveaway, leave a review and please do talk about the show on your Instagram because other people will find it and it's free, right? This is a free resource. I'm putting hours of my time into it because I love doing it and I think it's valuable. So tell your friends about it because it's here. And I just want to say again and again and again, thank you for listening because I'm I'm so aware that you have a million things you could be doing and it means the world that you spend your time here. We have so many amazing guests coming up. So definitely subscribe. It's free to subscribe. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or you can follow on Spotify, wherever you listen, but go subscribe so you don't miss it. And I'm wondering if this episode felt like it inspired you. Can you think of one person who actually could really use this today? If so, right now, before you forget, take a second. There's those three little dots. If you're listening on your phone, you click on it. It gives you the options to either text the link or to copy the link, but go ahead and send the link to a friend, email it, text it, DM them. Let's get more people connected to this content so that they feel the same lift and we can just all walk into our purpose and the world will be a better place. I have no doubt. If you do record a story on Instagram, definitely not only tag me at kathy.heller, but tag Nicole. She's at the.holistic.psychologist and she will love to see your posts. And I'm sure that both of us will repost some of them. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song and I will talk to you tomorrow.